Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Episode 87, recorded Monday, June 20th, 2022. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Well, hello again, everyone, and I want to thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cincerpino. A belated Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I hope you had a great day and had a chance to relax, play golf, or maybe even dive. It sure was a nice weekend up here in New England, if you like cooler than normal temperatures. It was a bit nippy uh, with some brisk wind on Sunday. I had to break out my hoodie. But now we can flip the season as tomorrow, the summer of 2022, officially begins here in the Northern Hemisphere. Next stop, 4th of July. Now this past weekend, we were back at Fort Wetherall in Jamestown, Rhode Island, where we completed another open water weekend and certified seven new divers. It's always great to see the smiles on everyone's face as they finish up their training. Several of our other divers were out doing some practice for their upcoming PADI Tech 50 certifications. Also, I want to thank one of my listeners from New York for stopping by and saying hello. Thanks, Dave, for your continued support and coming by. It was certainly a full weekend of diving for the Scuba Shack crew. Now on today's show, I'll be doing another installment of Sea Hunt, It's Still Alive, and we are going back to Season 4 for an episode titled, Confidential Mission. But first up is our news and information update, Wet Notes. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, June 20th, 2022. First up today is some news from Global Underwater Explorers, or GUE. Now, they have a scholarship program that they have titled the Next Gen Scholarship, and it's pretty cool. The recipient will get one year of tuition-free training with GUE, plus a travel budget, and a GUE mentor, along with a set of Halcyon gear. Now, the program is open to applicants who are aged 21 to 30 and who are at least an advanced open water diver and have a minimum of 20 dives. If you want to apply or know someone who would be interested, you'll have to act fast, though. The deadline for the applications is July 1st. You're going to need to submit a thousand-word essay produce a two-minute elevator speech video, and provide character references. In addition to the $2,000 travel budget and $3,000 worth of Halcyon gear, the scholarship winner will also get a DAN membership with accident insurance and a GoPro. Wow, this is a pretty good opportunity for someone to really solidify their diving credentials with GUE. When I first started diving in Hawaii, I was introduced to a predator species 
that wasn't welcomed in the Hawaiian Islands, and that was the crown of thorn starfish. Now, these starfish actually eat healthy coral, but if they're in normal numbers and where they're supposed to be, they can actually help the reefs. But if there's an overpopulation of the crown of thorn starfish, then they can cause long-term negative damage to the reefs. There have been a number of attempts to control the population, but now there is a simple way that seems to be effective without causing other side effects. According to an article in Scuba Diving Magazine by Sasha Zeiger, kitchen vinegar can help keep the crown of thorns starfish in check. When injected with vinegar, these coral eaters die within 48 hours, and then within 72 hours, they are eaten by other predators and gone with no adverse impacts, at least none known at this date. This is a simple solution that is allowing small dive shops to attack the problem on their reefs. The article ended with a pitch for taking a paddy specialty course titled The Paddy Crown of Thorns Management Specialty. Now here's an interesting find by a group of technical divers. It seems that a tech dive team, Dark Star, has made a dive expedition to the World War I wreck of the SS LeBourne, and that's off the coast of Cornwall in the UK. The SS LeBourne was a freighter that was struck by a German U-boat on September 29, 1918. This wreck is located about 15 miles offshore and sits in about 85 meters, that's about 280 feet. Definitely a challenging dive. What is interesting about this wreck was its cargo. It was carrying about 10,000 bottles of wine and liquor when the U-boat struck. The SS LeBourne was owned by the Moss Steamship Company and was part of a five-vessel convoy heading from Bordeaux to Liverpool. According to Dominic Robinson from Dark Star, there are many bottles visible on the wreck, the bottom, and probably many more buried in the sand. But don't get your hopes up if you think you might be able to get your hands on a bottle from the SS LeBourne. The English government has not given any permission to excavate the wreck. I'm not sure when I saw my first lionfish in the Caribbean. We were sort of excited to see this invasive species, but at the same time troubled by the devastation they could cause. I also have witnessed their proliferation over the years. Even though the idea of eradication is unlikely, that doesn't stop people from trying and maybe having a little fun while they're at it. That is what Reef is doing with their Florida Key Lionfish Derby. They have announced their 13th annual Reef Florida Key Lionfish Derby and Festival for September 8th to the 11th, 2022, and it will be headquartered at the Postcard Inn and Marina on Isle Mirada. The actual lion hunt fish is over two days, September 9 and 10. You can register a team of two to four divers for the event. Early bird registration on August 9, ends on August 9th, and that early bird fee is $75 per team. Now, after August 9th, the registration will be $100. You can go out to the Reef website and check it out for all the details and take a look at the past events. 
It looks like they have a lot of fun. And if you're heading to that area in that time frame or live close by, this is definitely something you should consider doing. And finally, back in 2019, at the Dive Equipment and Marketing Association, or DEMA show, the Scuba Diver brand launched a new quarterly publication. That publication was titled Scuba Diver Destinations. Now, the Scuba Diver brand is actually part of a UK-based media company named Rourke Media Limited, in addition to its Scuba Diver Destinations magazine, that is targeting at the U.S. and Canada markets, they also have a publication geared for the U.K. and then another one for the Australia and New Zealand markets. So to better fit its target market, Scuba Diver Destination is being rebranded as Scuba Diver North America. We've been getting the magazine here at the shop since it started, and it's filled with travel reports, gear reviews, news, and more. I really like getting the physical copy. Now, Walt Stearns runs the publication, and you can subscribe on their website. Now, it was a little confusing on how they are pricing the magazine. There was an option that said for $5 for every three months for a year, you could get the magazine, or for $25, you can get a subscription for the year. But then there was a two-year subscription that said something like $90. I guess if you're interested in subscribing, you should shoot them off a message for clarification. I'm waiting for the rebranded edition to come out soon. Looks like it will be volume 10 and featuring the Cayman Islands. That's good timing for us because we're making two trips down there, one to Grand Cayman over Labor Day and then to Little Cayman uh, later in October. There is also a teaser for an article on whether you should use a backplate and wing or a jacket BC. Looking forward to seeing what they have to say. You know my thoughts on that one. Well, that wraps up this edition of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, June the 20th, 1971. He has been persuaded by the pilot to complete this mission, which is critical to the country's welfare. Mike enters the water and tells us that he's been given an exact compass heading. The heading takes him to a buoy, and from there he's to follow another heading to the boathouse. Mike says that it's not easy navigating underwater, and he pops up to do a little turtle navigation. He sees the boathouse, but isn't sure if it's really at the right spot. They all seem to look the same. He trusts his instincts and swims into the boathouse and pops up on a ladder. Cautiously, Mike climbs the ladder, spots the door, listens intently, and then opens the door slowly 
and creeps in with his scuba gear on. Oh no, there's a guy behind the door with a gun. He wraps it on Mike's tank. Mike says he knows why he's there. The stranger asks Mike for the five-digit code, 95634, and the three colors, blue, magenta, and yellow. The stranger shakes Mike's hands and thanks him for coming. He tells Mike, go in and change into some dry clothes. As Mike heads into the bedroom with his scuba gear on, a maid comes walking through with a sly smile. And the guy tells her, send a message in the clear that Robert Douglas has arrived on vacation for some fishing. In the next scene, we see the maid finishing sending out a Morse code message as Mike walks in with what he calls loud clothes. He introduces himself to the guy who has the gun. He tells Mike that his cover is now Robert Douglas and gives him a fake passport. The guy tells Mike his name is Steve Walker, but that's not his real name. So Mike, a.k.a. Robert, and Steve, a.k.a. whoever, discuss the situation. A foreign government has set up some sort of underwater missile launching system outside the three-mile limit of this island, and it will be Mike's job to go out and investigate. But first, Steve sends Mike into town so he can start to establish himself as a tourist. They will start their mission in two hours. We then see Mike strolling through town, and he enters into a restaurant. As he's sitting reading the menu, a guy recognizes him. It is Terry Becker, a newspaper reporter. He's been sent down to the islands on a tip from his wire service, and now with Mike in town, he knows something is up. Mike tries to tell him that he's just on vacation, but Terry isn't buying it. As they are sitting there, the waiter comes up and tells Terry he has a phone call. It's a ruse by Steve. He and Mike take off in a car as Terry comes out yelling for Mike. Terry jumps in a cab and follows them. Now we see Mike and Steve arriving at a pier, and then they head down to a small boat with Mike hench down in the back. They take off as Terry arrives and sees them heading out. Now Mike and Steve arrive at their destination just off a suspicious yacht. Mike is in full scuba rig by this time, and he's setting off with dual cameras to try and find the missile launcher. He needs two cameras because he needs all that film. And then he's going to rendezvous with Steve at 345. He does a forward roll off the boat and heads to the yacht while Steve heads back to shore. Terry is waiting at the dock when Steve ties up, and he thinks that Steve has killed Mike. He keeps asking, where's Mike Nelson? Where's Mike Nelson? Then he sees Steve's gun. It's a 45. No, wait, it's a 38. Terry doesn't believe Steve went out alone. He's going to the police. Mike is able to approach the yacht and avoid the watchman on deck. He finds an odd-looking cable that takes him down to the missile launcher. Mike starts to snap pictures with one of his cameras while the other one is draped around his neck. He is opening up hatches and snapping away. The scene then shifts to Terry coming out of the police station and then to a patrol boat with Terry and a police captain on board. They want to investigate the yacht. As they pull up, the police captain shouts, Permission to come aboard, Capitan. No dice. The captain won't let them on board and they are outside of the three-mile limit, so they have no power. 
But they insist they want to find Mike Nelson, the frogman. Their efforts to board are for naught. And as they pull off, the yacht captain says, thank you very much. And he turns to the watchman and tells him to alert the underwater swimmers. We then see two bad divers armed with spear guns heading to Mike. Mike is intently taking pictures when both spears bounce off the missile launcher. Mike needs to hightail it out, but the cameras are weighing him down. He decides to drop the camera he hasn't used yet and figures one of the bad divers will go after it. Then it'll be mano against mano. His plan works. One diver goes for the camera and the other goes for Mike with knife drawn. Mike kicks at the knife, wrestles away the knife just as the other diver approaches. But Mike rips off his mask and has a plan. He heads behind a coral head, takes off his tanks, and has a lung full of air and heads for the surface. By the time the bad divers figure it out and head after Mike, he is at the anchor line of the yacht and ready to toss a grenade at the bad divers. He pulls the pin, throws the grenade, looks at his watch, and pulls himself up the line just as the grenade explodes. We see the bad divers sinking to the bottom, grabbing for their stomach and their ears. The watchman now sees Mike and starts to fire, but Mike takes a deep breath and heads to the bottom, where he's going to take off the rig of one of the bad divers, buddy breathe with him, and then tear off their weight belts, rocketing them to the surface. Now, all that's left is for Mike to meet up with Steve as he planned. Back at the boathouse, we see the roll of film on a table, and it's on its way back to the U.S. Mike tells the maid to send a report out in the clear that the mission is complete. But Mike has one more task before heading to the seaplane that leaves in an hour. He needs to head back into town and tell Terry that he got tired of waiting for Terry on the phone, so he headed out to take pictures, and that he'll see Terry back in the States. Well, that's another mission completed by Mike Nelson. This time, a confidential mission. It's funny how all those bad divers on Sea Hunt seem to be very bad shots with their spear guns. Seems like they always get close, but never hit Mike. Mike, on the other hand, is a dead eye with the weapon. Well, that wraps up episode 87 of Scuba Shack Radio. As always, I want to thank you for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, take care, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time. <laughs>